Hi, this is Sarit Schwetzer, and welcome to the It Is Taught podcast, a podcast devoted to the teachings of Rabbi Schneir Zalman of Liadi, as recorded in his most famous work, the Tanya. My hope for this show is to make these teachings accessible and relatable to the average person, regardless of prior Jewish education or affiliation. The episodes follow the prescribed daily study portions and are meant to serve as practical lessons in how to live your life as your true self and develop an authentic and powerful relationship with your Creator. I have personally experienced the effects the study of this work has had on me, and I'm excited to share what I can of this knowledge with you. So please join me on this journey of learning, self-growth, and connection with your source. Hi, and welcome to the It Is Top podcast. This is episode 736 for the 14th of Kislev in a regular year. Today is a very special day in the Chabad Hasidic world. It's the day on which we celebrate the anniversary of the wedding of the Rebbe and the Rebbetzin. So I think it's actually very befitting that this, that, that on this day, the theme of the Tanya is all about song, which we know song is associated with joy and happiness and um, transcendence, as we'll see. So music has this ability to really elevate people out of whatever state that they're in into a new state. If you ever go to a concert, you can experience this. Or even if you just listen to music, if you're very sensitive and attuned to it, if you're just listening to a recording of a really beautiful song, um, you can see how this can change your mood and can inspire. It, it, it inspires people to do all kinds of different things. We look at different countries and you know their national anthems. Um, we look at different eras of history and the study of music is a whole subject in its own right of how music really impacted the society in a way that we often don't recognize but is very very prevalent there in judaism at large there's a very big em- emphasis on song uh, from the beginning of times in fact whether it was the songs of the livium whether nowadays with with zmiras that people sing and um chazanos and stuff like that and in chabad chazan is for sure the power of a niggin is spoken about extensively that there's something about a niggin that can really get people beyond and can pierce through the heart in a way that just a simple teaching cannot so today we're going to be talking about this in a very interesting context the context that we're going to be talking about the power of music or more specifically the power of a song is in relation to a to something that happened to David HaMelech, to King David, where he actually referred to Torah as being a song. And, uh, and we'll see ultimately, we're going to focus on this more tomorrow, but that he was actually punished for this. Um, his punishment was that he ended up like stumbling and becoming forgetful about how to hold the ark. Instead of holding it on his shoulders, which was what he was supposed to do, he put it in a wagon, which was not how to hold it. So this is a very confusing story. And, and tomorrow we're going to delve into more why he was punished for this. And it's a weird kind of punishment to have, you know. Um, but today, the focus is really going to be on why it is, in fact, that he did refer to the Torah as song. Why would one think of referring to the Torah as song? And we see that, in fact, in the Zohar, um, there's a reference to the Torah being song as well. For context, we are beginning a new essay today in Kuntras Ahron, essay six. Uh, and we're nearing the very end of the Tanya, so we're really towards the end here. And today's essay begins with a citation from uh, from the Gemara in Masachat Sota, page 35a, which 
which uh, brings up this idea of David HaMelech calling the Torah song. So where do we see that David HaMelech called the Torah song? So this is uh, basically what happened was that the Plishtim, the Philistines, had captured the Ark, the Aron HaKodesh, uh, and, uh, and David HaMelech, in his war with them, he actually won, and he was able to to uh, to take back this ark and um, bring it back from captivity. And when he did this, he was very excited. And in his excitement, he referred to the Torah and the laws of the Torah as being songs, as we find in Tehillim, chapter 119, verse 54, where it says, that your statutes, statutes were to me as songs in the house of my sojournings. And then right after that, he stumbled and he put the ark on his shoulders, which he wasn't supposed to do and he he forgot about doing that so sort of explained that because he referred to the torah as being a song then um his punishment was to stumble and to come into this state of forgetfulness which as mentioned we're going to get into this more tomorrow why why he forgot why this is an apt punishment why was he punished at all but today we're going to really explore this idea of the song so so the Gemara says, uh, why did you call these? Uh, he asked the question, why did you call them songs? Like kind of incredulously, like why, what's the connection between like the laws of Torah and songs? And so the ultra says that actually you find that, uh, that there's another place where the Torah is referred to as a song. We find in the Zohar, in the third part of the Zohar on uh, page 8b, it's, it says, the praise of Torah and its song. So obviously there's something to it, to the Torah being referred to as song. So what's this about? Why is it that, you know, the laws of the Torah, they're all about what's forbidden, what's permitted. What does this have to do with a song? So to understand this, the Altar Rabbah actually brings another citation, this time from Tehillim chapter 92, verse 10, which says, How great are your works, God? Your thoughts are very deep. So that's a very interesting verse in the sense that it talks about, first of all, like God's works, how great are your works? And then it says your thoughts are very deep. So what's the connection between the works of God, the, like the actions of God and God's thoughts? And why is it starting off by saying God's actions and then the thoughts like follow the actions seemingly? So what's what's that about? So the ultra explains that, in fact, well, it may not be apparent to our eyes, but the entire worlds, whether we're talking about the higher worlds and the lower worlds, are actually totally dependent on one single mitzvah. And he gives some examples for this. So, he's, so one example he gives is he gives an example of a korban, of a sacrifice. So he says, when we bring a kosher sacrifice, what this does, and we've spoken about this elsewhere in the Tanya, this creates a unification above. And all of the worlds rise up in order to receive the vitality and the influence from the sacrifice. And if somebody uh, alters the the ritual, alters the, the rules that are involved in this bringing of the sacrifice, like if, for example, the person receives the blood with their left hand, um, where really you're supposed to receive the blood with your right hand in this, in the case of a sacrifice, or if, um, if the vessel that they use to bring the sacrifice is not valid, or if there was some kind of a chatzitza, like there was some kind of like, um, impediment or something like that. Like if anything, any slightest detail goes wrong in this bringing of the sacrifice, then the entire vitality, the entire influence that these worlds were meant to receive if, if the sacrifice would have been given correctly becomes nullified. And they don't receive this vitality. It's like they're cut off from their life force, basically. 
And then the altar rabbi brings another example. He brings an example of tefillin. So if you have tefillin, kosher tefillin, then when a, when a man puts on tefillin, then what happens is there's a revelation of the supernal mind of the zer anpin and the nukva. So that's the the um, the midos, the the emotive attributes um, within the world of Attilas, which is the source of all of the worlds, as we've learned. But if even the smallest detail goes wrong, you know, this is why it's very important that that men check their tefillin on a regular basis, because if the smallest little detail is wrong, um, then it then this doesn't happen. This this uh, this infusion of the of the vitality into the supernal mind doesn't happen. So what the altar is basically saying, this is a very deep idea, is basically that the worlds, the vitality of all of the worlds, all of the spiritual worlds uh, throughout all of the universes are dependent upon our mitzvahs. When we do mitzvahs, then we send vitality into all of these worlds. And the altar rabbi says that this isn't just true about positive commandments, like bringing a sacrifice or putting on tefillin. Those are positive commandments that we can do. But this is true also for the negative commandments, for the prohibitions, that all of these different prohibitions that we, you know, that, that there are, we need to make sure to keep all of their details. And every single one of the details of these prohibitions affect all of the worlds. And so thus, says the altar rabbi, keeping this in mind, so if a person sits down and meditates upon the world, and it's like you look at worlds, you know, and people do this, even non-religious people will do this. People will look around and be like, you know, the the wondrous mountains, the great oceans, outer space, like there's so much to be mesmerized by. And when we have a sense of God, then this makes it even more great, right? We realize like, wow, God, you created all these things. It's Magad Luma Secha Hashem, we say, how great are your works, God. And so now here, uh, the altar is taking this a step further and he's saying, so keeping this in mind, how great the worlds are, how great the creation is. And then we realize like, wow, all of this creation, it's actually nullified to one little detail of the Torah, meaning it's totally dependent upon one little dictate of the Torah, one little thing that we need to do. Um, because why? Because the Torah, because what is the Torah? The Torah is the depth of God's thought, the depth of God's supernal wisdom which we can see by virtue of the fact that even the, the our little the little mitzvahs we do the smallest little dictates that we do then we're able to elevate all the worlds and we're able to give them vitality and and uh sustenance uh or god forbid the opposite if somebody god forbid does something wrong then it actually affects all the worlds our actions really do affect reality and affect not just our little reality we don't live in an island basically we we live in a a, a universe and every single thing uh, that we do affects the entire universe around us, not just the physical universe, but the spiritual universe as well. And so when we really meditate upon, upon this, when we really think about how uh, how this works, like when we start to realize that the Torah, trans the laws of the Torah transcend reality, transcend creation. And not only do they transcend creation, but that actually creation, all of our reality comes out of it. It comes from this place. This It's the source of all of reality. It's the depths of God's thoughts. Just like a way that we can think about it is like the hair. So the ultra likens it to a, a person's hair. So the hair comes out of a person's brain. 
And so, and this is spoken about in the Tikkuni Zohar and the Idra Rabbah about how the hair coming out of the brain is sort of like a way that we can think about um, like how creation happens. Like there's a sort of idea that the, the hair is like where there's this like spiritual energy flow coming out from our brain. But yeah, we know that it's not the brain, right? It's just like, but it is energy coming out from the brain. So that's kind of like what the world is. The world is like God's hairs, like coming out from his brain. But the brain is the Torah and the laws of the Torah. And so David HaMelech, when he recognized this, then he was dancing and singing and he was, he was, he was very gladdened in his heart and in being involved in Torah when he was uh, in a low place. So it's like when he got the Torah back from the Plishtim, then he was extremely excited and he couldn't help but think of this as, uh, as music, as song. And why music specifically? So this is the end of the section and now I'll just give my little commentary on this. So music, like I mentioned in the introduction, is transcendent. Music like goes over and above it, it there's something ethereal about it it's something that kind of lifts us up it, that elevates us out of our current state out of our current reality uh, and they're all different kinds of songs right some songs are depressing some songs are angry some songs are joyous there's holy music there's music that's not so holy um, some people who have this like extra sensitivity and want to like honor this extra sensitivity are actually very careful about the music that they listen to and are careful to only listen to music that, that was composed by somebody who has a who was pure who composed the music in a pure state this is a very high level to be at but uh but there's something to it in the sense that there's something about music that really is transcendent and that uh that that influences our reality and so this is what david amelich was tapping into is where when he was likening the torah to music is he recognized the fact that the torah is this transcendent force in our reality and that the torah actually sends vitality to the world just like music sends vitality to the listener and this brought him to a state of ecstatic joy which caused him to just you know um rejoice in that receiving of of the ark back from the plishtim but as we'll see tomorrow there was a mistake in his reasoning with this um so it's sort of an interesting journey that the altar was taking us on where he kind of makes this argument as to why the torah is like song and then tomorrow we'll see why this is actually a very limiting way to think about the torah but nevertheless uh it's it is um enlightening to first recognize how Torah can be seen as song. So that's it for today. And we're going to continue tomorrow when we conclude this essay. And I'll speak to you then. Thanks for listening to the It Is Top podcast, hosted by Sarit Switzer. This podcast is dedicated in loving memory of my maternal grandfather, Avraham Yitzchak ben Binyamin Cohen of Blessed Memory. Music by Shoshana. If you enjoyed this episode and would like to support the show, please share it with others and subscribe on YouTube, Apple iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And make sure to leave us a five-star review. To find out more about the It Is Top project, including more information on my soon-to-be-published book, please visit our website, itistaught.com. To catch the latest from me, follow me on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Looking forward to speaking with you tomorrow, and until then, have a great day.